Hey, welcome to Cross Creek. Again, it's good to see you. If you snuck in during the music, that's totally cool. And if you're watching online, it's good to be seen by you. Thank you for watching. If you want to take another step, kind of be like, hey, Cross Creek kind of was cool online. There's, what more can I do with them? You can scroll down all the way to the bottom of the page, and there are steps. You can like take next steps right there. So anyway, but you guys... You can just like fill out a welcome card if you want. On the, on the welcome card there is a section that says like, hey, I'd like to know more about. That's what you use that card for. If there's something you want to know more about or if there's a question you have or something you'd like prayer for, uh, you can use the other side of the card for that as well. So we are uh, finishing up our series called The Real Jesus today. So you're kind of coming in at the end of the movie. And like I always, or I, I try to make fun of my father-in-law as much as possible up here. And that's how he watches movies. So I go to my father-in-law's house, and we're like, hey, you want to watch a movie? Yeah. Click. He watches it, like, in real time on cable, right? He doesn't, like, do on-demand like a normal person. And he watches the end of the movie. It's really weird. Anyway, so we're at the end of the movie here. If, you, if you're watching online or you're here and you're like, hey, I kind of like what he's talking about. I want to know more. You can go on yourcrosscreek.com and watch past messages. But the reason we're doing this series on the real Jesus, uh, well, around this time, this Easter time, remember Easter next week, um, there's a lot of information coming about Jesus. People are interested in Jesus. And there's, as, you, as you watch these things, there's a lot of opinions about Jesus, which is actually nothing new. In fact, when Jesus was on earth, there were a lot of, opinion, a lot of opinions about Jesus. His family actually thought he was crazy. At one point, we, we have in the, in the eyewitness account, his family comes and is like, hey, Jesus, you need to come home because you're not well. And he's like, who are my mother and father and brothers and sisters, but those who do the will of God? And they're like, yeah, see, you're crazy. Uh, the religious leaders actually said he was possessed by Satan. They tried to put that one on him. Uh, people thought he was a great teacher or even, even a prophet. And that's really similar to opinions people have today about Jesus. If you go, go in the mall and ask people, hey, what do you think about Jesus, which would be awkward to do, and it is awkward to do, but it's also really fun to do, just be like, hey, can I ask you a question? What do you think about Jesus? You're going to get a whole bunch of different answers. And so some of the answers you'll get, like from uh, in Hinduism, Jesus is actually an incarnation of God, like Krishna. In Buddhism, Jesus was an enlightened man, like Buddha. In Judaism... He was a teacher, but he was also a failed Messiah. Messiah being the, uh, the one God promised to come and, and rescue Israel and lead Israel and bring in this golden age for Israel. And they say, you know, Jesus was a real person. He was a teacher, but he, was a, he tried to be Messiah and he, he pretty much failed. Uh, in Islam, Jesus is a prophet, but he's inferior to Muhammad as God's final prophet. For Jehovah's Witnesses, Jesus is the archangel Michael. Uh, In Mormonism, Jesus is the offspring of a father God and a mother God, um, as are all of us. And he's the half-brother of Lucifer, and he was a man who earned the right to be one of many gods. Uh, In New Age thought, he is a state of consciousness that we can all aspire to. And in Scientology, I'm going to read this because I don't want to get it wrong. In Scientology, Jesus is a part of or an implant of a traumatic memory associated with Xanu bringing his people to Earth and putting them around volcanoes and then killing them with hydrogen bombs 75 million years ago. So that's Jesus in Scientology. I'm not making fun. I'm just saying what Wikipedia said. You can Google it, and it's there. Uh, but there, really, if you think about it, there can only be one real Jesus, 
right? It's, it's popular to say, hey, you know what? Whatever you think about God, whatever you think about Jesus, that's cool. That works for you, right? They're, they're all some measure of the truth. That's not logical, right? I just read you some very different ideas of who Jesus is. They can't all be true. There can only be one real Jesus. And so that's why we're doing this, this series, because we think it's pretty important that we know who the real Jesus really is, right? And so in, in, our, in our first talk about the real Jesus, we found out Jesus actually existed. He was a historical person. All historians agree Jesus was a real person in ancient Palestine. And then we, we saw, what did Jesus teach? Well, he taught that we can have a real personal relationship with God as our heavenly perfect Father. And then what did he, Jesus do? What we saw last week was he brought an end to religion. He ended religion. We don't have to try to work our way to God anymore. God came down to help to be with us. So we're going to talk this week about Jesus's identity. And some of the material in, in what we're going to talk about is in this book that we've kind of been, kind of, um, been just hugging lately called uh, The Problem of God by Mark Clark, a pastor in Canada. Don't hold that against him. But there, uh, we have copies of this book in the lobby for you, for a suggested donation of $5, because we're a nonprofit. But um, it's there if you want it, but some of the material is from, from that. So I wanted to make sure that you knew where you can kind of go to the source for some of these ideas. So we're doing this series, we're talking about Jesus' identity last, because I think it's the most important aspect of Jesus, because it's not, it's not the fact that he existed, it's not his teachings, or even that he died that make Jesus such a divisive figure, and has been for 2,000 years. It's actually his identity. Jesus' identity, who he really was, is where Christianity parts ways with the rest of the world's religions, because Christianity hinges on Jesus' identity. If Jesus is just a normal guy, Christianity really has nothing to stand on. Jesus' identity is the main point of Christianity. It's based, Christianity is based on this claim, that an ancient Jewish preacher was in fact God. That this ancient Jewish preacher was the creator of the universe and should be worshipped as such. That he was 100% human, but at the same time, 100% God. That's weird. That's where Christianity is different. That is hard to wrap your mind around if you've never heard that before, if you didn't grow up in it. So I get it. If you're here, you're like, okay, that's, that's a hard one for me. You're watching online. That's, I, okay, this, this guy is God. I get that he was a good guy. Maybe he did miracles. He was sent from God, but he's actually God. That's hard to deal with. And this is actually, I'm, I didn't warn you before you got here, but this is actually very dangerous territory to be walking through right now. Because think about it. If Jesus is God, it changes everything. If Jesus is actually God, it changes everything. If Jesus is God, then I need to restructure my entire life around him. If Jesus is God, it changes how I think. It changes how I interact with my kids. It changes how I interact with my spouse. It changes maybe who I marry. It changes how I talk to my neighbors or if I talk to my neighbors and how I talk to my coworkers and how I treat my boss and how I talk to strangers. It changes how I use my time and it even changes what I do with my money. Because if Jesus is God, then everything, everything changes. And that's extreme, right? That's kind of extreme for me to say that it changes your entire life, but it's logical, isn't it? 
Isn't that a logical conclusion? If Jesus actually is God, then we should follow him and give our entire lives to him. I mean, that's a logical statement. I think we can all agree with that. If he really is God, then that's the most important fact in the world. And if he's not, well, then no big deal, right? Maybe, maybe the church thing makes you feel good. That's cool. You know, maybe he had some good teaching, but really, what's, what's the point, right? There's, there's other ways to do this. There are other places you can spend an hour on a rainy, not rainy Sunday, right? So everything hinges on Jesus's identity, Now, the argument, maybe you've heard it, maybe you've said it, maybe you found this message because you Googled it, is this. You know, that's that's cool, John. I get that. Yeah, if he is God, that's a huge deal. But here's the thing. Jesus never actually said, I am God. He never said it. And you know what? That's true. Jesus never took those three words, those specific three words, and in that specific order, stood on a rock somewhere and said, I am God. Because he did better than that. He did better than that. And what we're going to see is that in every way that mattered for his time and his culture, his specific time, his specific culture, he made it very, very clear who he was claiming to be. I mean, think about it, even, even for our culture today. If Jesus just kind of said, hey guys, I'm God. Within his context, and I think in, within our context too, that could have meant a lot of different things, right? I am God. In ancient Eastern religions at that time, he would have just probably been taken as saying, you know, I am, we're all in some way a part of God. You know, we all have some divine spark in us. We're all you know, we're all gods in our, own, in our own way, gods and goddesses in our own way, right? Or for the Greco-Roman mind, he would have been taken as saying, hey, I'm one of your many gods from Mount Olympus or whatever, and I'm here in human form. He could have been taken as that. And it's true, Jesus never said, I am God, because that would have been too vague. It just would have, we would have been taken in so many different ways. And so he did better than that. Jesus was actually dangerously clear about his identity. It was dangerous for him, which we'll, you know, we, we'll talk about next week. It was dangerous for his followers. It's been dangerous for his followers for 2,000 years, and it's dangerous now. He was dangerously clear about his identity. So what did he actually say? What did Jesus actually say? When he was very clear about his identity, what did he say? Well, first of all, first thing he was very clear about, he said he was the Messiah. Jesus said, I am the Messiah. And like I said a little bit earlier, Messiah, the promised one that God had promised the Jewish people would come, rescue them, restore the glory of Israel, um, pretty much make the world a better place, bring in this golden age. And Jesus said, I am the Messiah. He was Israel's rescuer, God's anointed, God's promised one. And so when Jesus is around, people are looking for this Messiah. It was a very popular thing to be looking for the Messiah around Jesus' time. And there was a very popular preacher named John the Baptist. And he had people that followed him. He had disciples. And he sent his disciples to say, hey, Jesus, are you, are you the Messiah? Because it seems like you are. John kind of thinks you are. Are you the Messiah? And here's what Jesus says in Matthew. Matthew records it for us. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. 
Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. You're like, oh yeah, he totally just said I'm the Messiah, huh? You see it, right? But in his culture, in his very religious culture, where you had to memorize the Torah, the Old Test, the, uh, the Jewish scriptures, this made perfect sense what he is saying. Because here's what it says in the prophet Isaiah, which was written 800 years before Jesus. Saying, hey, when, when the Messiah comes, here's what's going to happen. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. And Isaiah goes on further. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me, Messiah, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Basically, Jesus had a checklist of, here's what Isaiah said the Messiah would be. And then John's disciples say, hey, Jesus, are you the Messiah? And he goes through the checklist. You tell me, am I? That's basically what he's doing here. He's saying, not just, yep. He's saying, yes, and here is my proof. You see these things happening, right? That's what Isaiah said would happen with the Messiah. That's me. But then he went even further than that. See, there, there is, there is one, one day, the religious leaders were questioning Jesus. They like to do that because Jesus was kind of turning all of religion on its head. In fact, as we saw last week, he was getting rid of religion. And there comes a point where they actually said, like I said earlier, you're possessed by Satan. He's like, oh, really? Okay, that's cool because he had just promised eternal life to people. By following him, they could have eternal life. And they actually say, who do you think you are? And then he answers this way. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, right? Where all the Jews came from. He saw it and was glad. They said, you're not even 50 years old, they said to him. And you have seen Abraham? How do you know that he was glad to see your day? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. I don't know how he hid himself. I'm guessing he said, hey, look over there, and then he ran off. I don't know exactly how that happened. But something he said right there, made the whole crowd pick up stones to kill him right then. What is that about? Before Abraham was born, I am. Like, geez, Jesus, learn how to speak English for once. If English was good enough for Moses, it should be good enough for you. (laughs) What is he actually saying here? I mean, it's got to be bad, right? This is something he just said is super offensive that people just want to kill him right away. I mean, so what, what did he say? Before Abraham was, I am. Abraham was alive over 2,000 years before Jesus' time. Yet Jesus is claiming to have interacted with him, to have seen him, to actually have known his thoughts. But then there's even more to it than that, as, as Luke talked about. Not the gospel writer Luke, but our band leader Luke taller and better looking. (laughs) What did Jesus say? (laughs) He said he was not just some form of a God, not just some type of God, not just a God. Jesus said he was Yahweh. 
which saying, before Abraham was, I am, Jesus actually claimed to be Israel's specific God, Yahweh. And this is, this is the text where we get that name, Yahweh. Exodus, when God's talking to Moses, God said, hey, check out this burning bush. It's not burning up. I'm talking to you from this bush. What that was like, I don't know. I wasn't there. But Moses says, hey, what am I supposed to tell people when they say, who do you think you are coming to talk to us? Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. I am the eternal. I am the uncaused first cause. I am all self-sufficient. I am the self-existing God. That is the name God chose for people to call him. That is the name he said, hey, Israelites, I am your God. Well, what's your name? I am that I am. I am eternal. I am self-existing. I rely on nothing. It is one of the most sacred names in Jewish scripture. Even today, those who follow Judaism will not write out the vowels, as Luke also said in the word, in the name Yahweh. So we just assume that that's how you spell Yahweh because we, it's actually been lost. We don't know. In fact, when, when the Jewish people write God in English, they write G slash D because the name is so sacred it should not be uttered. The root of Yahweh is what God said, I am. And so when Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, he is clearly answering the question, who do you think you are? Not by saying, I'm a God or I'm God-like. He is saying, I am the creator God. I am the God of the universe, the one and only God of the whole world, the one with all the power, all the knowledge, who alone can forgive sin and deserves to be worshiped. That's what Jesus is saying to these devout, monotheistic Jews. That's why they pick up stones to kill him. They totally, 100% knew what he was claiming. That's a big deal. That's why they tried to kill him. They knew what he was doing. Judaism has always taught that there is only one God, there is one God, and only one God, Yahweh. And to claim to be him, you need to utter his name, but to take that name as your name is blasphemy. And as Moses told the Jewish people when he gave them the law, the consequence for blasphemy is death. Say to the Israelites, this is God talking to Moses, anyone who curses their God will be held responsible. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord by calling yourself a God in one way is to be put to death. The entire assembly must stone them, whether foreigner or native born. When they blaspheme the name, Yahweh, they are to be put to death. So before you're too harsh on these Jewish people, they are doing what they think is right. They think they're keeping the law by stoning this preacher who said, hey, love one another because I'm God. Be kind, forgiving. Why? Well, because it's the right thing to do. No, because I love you, and I can show that because I'm God. He is claiming to be the God. You might be, you know, if, you, if you've studied this, and you've kind of looked through the claims of Jesus, you might say, that's great, John. You know, like, good teaching. That's, you know, you almost had me. 
that's great. But, you know, wasn't all this divinity of Jesus stuff, wasn't that, you know, because the identity of Jesus evolved over time? And his, his followers, you know, they were brokenhearted when he died. They hallucinated when they saw him. We'll talk about that next week. And, and then over time, this beloved teacher started having divine qualities. And then they added that when they wrote, when they wrote the scriptures or when they translated the scriptures, right? They began seeing him divine. So when they wrote it, they added that stuff in. Maybe you've heard that. Maybe you've said that. Well, first of all, the book of John that we just read where he said, I, I am, before Abraham was, I am. That was written in 86, around 86 AD. So that's 50 years or so after the events that were recorded happened. So 50 years. Is that enough time for a myth that a beloved teacher turned into God of the universe? Well, in 1968, a great man changed the world. Martin Luther King Jr. was murdered. 1968, 51 years ago. A great man. But is he considered divine? Is he considered, oh, we should pray to Martin Luther King Jr. because he was God. I mean, many of you still remember 1968 like it was yesterday. You remember seeing this happen on the news. Remember the, the aftermath of it. And if I asked you about that time, you could tell me the details. You could tell me where you were. You could tell me what happened. You could tell me all these things. But if I tried to make Martin Luther King Jr. into God in the flesh, you'd be like, ah, no, he wasn't. He was great, but he wasn't God. I was there. So here's the thing. John is only writing this 50 years later. There's still people, there's still eyewitnesses, eyewitnessing things that could have been like, no, he wasn't. He was cool, but he wasn't God. It's not enough time for myth to turn a great man into a divine God. But it's even more than that. See, Jesus' followers were calling him God even before John recorded Jesus saying, I am God. In fact, uh, Paul in Colossians wrote this. The Son, Jesus, is the, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He goes on and on to talk about how uh, all creation was created through Jesus. This is the Apostle Paul started out as a Pharisee, meaning like the top of the top of the religious Jews. He was the most Jewish Jew of all the Jews, is Paul. It is impossible in his mind, in his monotheistic mind, to think that a human would actually be God in the flesh. And when he wrote this, when he wrote Colossians, it wasn't 50 years later, it wasn't 70 years later, it was in 60 AD, only 30 years after the events. 30 years. So let's put that in our, in our thinking, right? In 1991, which was 28 years ago, Freddie Mercury, Mercury, it's a hard word for me. Freddie Mercury, the, the, the singer of Queen, died. Now, he's got, a, he's got movies made of him, right? A lot of people love him. Maybe some of you be like, yeah, Freddie Mercury's God. But they don't actually mean he created the universe, right? It's like, hey, he was... He was a great musician. He was amazing. But only 30 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, his followers are fully claiming that he is God of creation. His followers believed he was God from the beginning. It's not something that evolved. 
It's not something where you're like, oh, you know, we want power over all these people, so let's just say this guy that we're following was God. From the very beginning, they said he was God because he proved that he was God. Because he told people to follow him. Follow me. Leave your fishing nets and follow me. Where most teachers would say, hey, follow the Torah. Obey God. Follow. He said, no, follow me. He placed his teachings. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, which is in the Jewish scriptures. That's what the law Moses gave. He said, you've heard it said that, but I say, your scriptures say this, but I, your scriptures from God on Mount Sinai say this, but I say, love your neighbor as yourself. I say, forgive. He's putting his teachings above Moses' teachings. He forgave sin. He knew as a good Jewish boy, only God can forgive sin. He constantly is telling people, your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven. He believed he had the power to forgive sin. He accepted worship as God. After he rises from the dead, his, his disciples fall at his feet and worship, actually uses that word, worship him. He talked about a future when he would actually come in the glory of God and be the judge of the world. He commanded nature. He told wind and waves to stop, and they did. He healed diseases. He brought dead people back to life. But most of all, he predicted his death. He said, I'm going to die. I'm going to be killed. But three days later, I'm going to rise again. He predicted his death, he predicted his resurrection, and then he pulled it off, which we're going to talk about next week, it being Easter and all. So what do we do with that? What is, I mean, that's some good information. Like, yes, okay, I get it. Jesus said he was God. I, I, that's historically true. I get it. So what do we do with that? Because we've shown that Jesus said he was the one true God of Israel, and he said he was the Savior of of the world. That's a fact. He said that. So we have three options, three famous options. Maybe you've heard this. Either Jesus was crazy, right, like his family first thought, or he, he was a liar possessed by the devil, like an evil liar like the religious leaders thought he was, or he really is God. We've proven that historically he said he was God, so those are our three options. He's crazy, He's evil, or he was telling the truth. Well, was he crazy? Read what he said. Read how he lived. Some of the most insightful, wise teachings, most logical and clear teachings. Not only is it wise, it's clear, which is a, a huge difference between, like, oh, wow, he's so deep. No, deep just means fuzzy and you don't really get it and you just want to say it's deep so you don't feel bad. Jesus was clear. He was wise. He was logical. No one has ever taught as perfectly as he taught. A crazy person cannot hold those thoughts. A crazy person cannot string along those arguments. So was he an evil liar? There's one thing I think everyone agrees on Jesus. He was not evil. Look at his teachings. Love one another as I have loved you. The first will be last. If you want to put yourself in front of everybody, you're going to end up last. If you only live for yourself, all you're going to have left 
is yourself. Is that the teachings of an evil liar? Or somebody who understood the human heart and loved and loved and loved. When sinners would come, people, the religious leaders would throw sinners at his feet and be like, what do you want to do about them? We just caught them totally sinning. He loves them. He accepts them. He hangs out with people that nobody else would hang out with. It's not an evil man. That is a loving God. So the logical, reasonable answer really is, even if it sounds crazy, the logical answer is this. A Jewish preacher from ancient Palestine was the God of the universe in the flesh. So again, what do we, what do you do about that fact? I mean, logically, he's God. What do we do about that? Because it means everything he taught is actually true. That God loves you personally and individually. He made you on purpose and he is for you. If Jesus is God, you can have a real relationship with God. You can have a new and eternal life and be transformed into who you were always meant to be simply by trusting him to forgive your evil and to make you new. It means that all of this is true. It might seem too good to believe, too good to be true. It's not. It's just good and it's true. So if Jesus is God, what does that mean for you? Because the real question really isn't who did Jesus say that he was. The real question is who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? That's the real question. And we can't just be like, oh, you know, that's nice. You know, these religious people love that idea. You know, I love Jesus. He makes me happy. I hide my head in the sand and don't think about anything. No. Everything we've said shows that Jesus is God. We can't just say, oh, that's nice. You know, enjoy your songs and then move on. That option is not available. I told you this was dangerous. Who do you say Jesus is? You have to look at all of these facts square in the face and you have to make a decision. Yes, you can take time. Look at the evidence. Nothing wrong with that. But at some point, you have to decide who do you say Jesus is. Will you believe him? Or will you not? Those are your two options. There's no middle ground. Either he's God or he's not. Either he's the savior of the world, including you, or he's not. Either he is the way to the most fulfilling and satisfying life ever, or he's not. So if Jesus is God, then you have to make a decision. You have to. You can't just let it sit there forever. You can't just ignore it. At some point, you have to say, you know, I might not know everything. I might not have all the details figured out. But I know he existed. I know he said I can have a personal relationship with God only through him. I know he said no more religion, 
Trust me only. You can have a relationship. And I know he said he is God. I know those things. You know enough to make a decision. How did all that work together? What exactly does every teaching mean? I don't know. We're working on that. But I know he was God, and I know he died and rose again. So you have to make a decision. Now, if you're a Jesus follower, you said, yeah, I've made that decision. I know he's God. Think about this. If Jesus is God, as you say he is, then following him cannot just be part of your life. It has to be the focus of your life. If Jesus really is God, he's not just some nice thing you do on Sundays. Not just something you're like, oh yeah, you know, I've, I have Bible verses all over my house, so I'm a Jesus. No, it can't just be a part of your life. It can't be a part of your decoration. It doesn't need to be a focus of your decoration, but if Jesus is God, he needs to be the focus of your life. Everything must revolve around him. If who you are as a Jesus follower has to permeate everything about who you are and what you do, every decision you make is based on your identity as a Jesus follower. Your identity as a Jesus follower needs to guide your marriage, guide your family, guide your work, guide your hobbies, guide your finances, everything. In fact, it might be time to have it define your identity. Maybe you've accepted Jesus, and we've had a few people sitting here who have accepted Jesus as their king. They become Jesus followers. You're watching online. Maybe it's time to identify with him. And the way you do that is through baptism. It doesn't make you a Christian, but it tells the world, I have decided to be a Jesus follower. My identity is now in Jesus. Just like I'm not just John anymore, right? I have a symbol. I have a sign. I am John and Liz. And then there's three more mixes of us, and they're awesome. Right? I'm no longer John. I'm the Silvas. I belong to someone. That's baptism. Maybe that's the step you need to take to identify with Jesus. So two questions for you. Is it time to make a decision? You've never made that decision. You never said, you know what? I want to follow Jesus. I get it. I don't understand everything, but I get it. I've been trying to do it on my own. I've been trying to please God. I've been trying to impress God. I've been trying to ignore God. I just want to love God. I want to be loved by God. I want to be accepted by God. Maybe it's time to make that decision. And then the other question is, is he the focus of your life? You know, or, or is following him just kind of like you know, a convenient, helpful part of your life? You know, why are you a Christian? Well, you know, it really helps me when I feel down. Yes, it does, but it is so much better than that. It helps you when you're down because it is so much better than that. Is it part of your life or is he the focus of your life? If he really is God, why would you only want him you know, as, your, as your little companion, as your co-pilot? If he really is God, why wouldn't you want him to be your God and to fight for you and for you to trust him completely? Why wouldn't you want him to be your pilot? Why wouldn't you want him to be your savior, to be your king, somebody worth following in everything you do? So maybe you need to give control. Maybe you need to give authority over every part of your life to Jesus, God. 
Because Jesus' identity changes everything. See, all religions, all religions say we have to work our way to God. We have to impress him. We have to bribe him or it or whatever it is. You know, I'm sending out positive vibes to the universe. I have to do something to make the God, the gods, okay with me. But if Jesus is God, then there's another way. A better way. In fact, Jesus said there was was only one way. The reality is God came to us. God pursued us. God lived with us and died for us and proved his claim that he was God by rising again for us. He lives today and he frees us from sin. He frees us from shame. He frees us from fear and worry. And he gives us a real life of real love. Not that ooey gooey, oh my gosh, I'm so, no. Real, hard love that withstands anything. Gives us a life of real love, peace, joy, even when it doesn't make sense, and meaning. That's the life he gives us. So you may need to, ex- to, to make the decision to follow him, to accept him as your savior and king. Because our real life is found in the real Jesus. That's the only place. Pray with me. Or listen as I pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for being for us. Thank you for not being against us. Thank you for being so for us that you sent the Son, Jesus, down for us to die for us and rise again for us. Thank you for that. Father, I just pray that as as people have been listening, whether here or online, that you've been talking to them. You've been showing them that you're real that what you said 2,000 years ago is still true, that Jesus was God coming to save us. So for, for those of us here, I, know, I, I feel like I need to give you the opportunity again, and I'll give it 100 times. But with every head bowed and every eye closed so there's not miscommunication, if you have never accepted Jesus' offer of forgiveness, accepted that Jesus is God, that Jesus died on the cross for your evil and rose again and can forgive your evil simply by trusting him. But you want him to be your king. Say, yes, I believe you are God. You died for me. I don't understand everything, but I understand that. If you want to accept that, if you want to finally make that decision while everybody's eyes are closed, look at me. Just make eye contact so I know to pray with you, to pray for you. Is there anybody here in this room that wants to do that? Finally make that decision. Okay. If you're watching online and that's what you want to do, you can just pray aloud or in your head and say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you that I don't have to do anything to be with you, but you did it all to be with me. I put my trust in you. Thank you for dying for me. Please forgive me and make me yours. From now on, I am yours. Amen. Now, if 
keep your heads bowed and eyes closed because I think we talked about something else that was kind of kind of heavy about how, Jesus being the focus of your life and not just, you know, a part of your life. Maybe that rang true for you. You're like, you know, that's something nice I do, but I get it now. It's not just this religious thing that I've been dragged to and I kind of grew up in, but it's something that is, can be a huge part of my life, not a part of my life, but can be my life, can be the source of my life, can be the source of my peace, my joy. And you say, I want to accept that. I don't, I don't want to just be a part of my life. I want it to be the focus of my life. I want to pray for you. And so if you could just look at me, so I know there's somebody to pray for. Awesome. Anybody else? Say, yeah, that's, I want it to be the focus of my life. Great. Well, you can pray this in your, in your heart, out loud, whatever you want. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that I can trust you. Thank you that I can rely on you. I'm sorry for, for just making you a part of my life. Please show me how I can focus my life on you. Please keep changing me into who you want me to be. Help me rely on you. Help me to show others who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. You're allowed to look at me now. But Jesus isn't just a good idea. He isn't just a good teacher. He isn't just some wise words to live by. He is God, and he came for you. Jesus is proof that God loves you and wants you to be happy. So trust him. Focus your life on him because there's no better life than a Jesus-filled life. So I hope you have a great week. I hope um, you have in mind who you're inviting to Easter, Saturday at 4.30. By the way, if, if um, you made any kind of decision today, we want to know about it. So that's why we have those cards in the seat there. Say, hey, you know what? I decided that I want you to be the focus of my life. I want to kind of guide you in that. I want to give you some, some resources that might help. If you say, you know what? I didn't look at you, but I definitely want to become a Jesus follower. I just, you know, there's something in my eye. Use the card. Tell us what's going on. If you're online, email us. We don't, it's not just so we can like rack up a tally. We want to give you stuff that will help you grow and kind of say, hey, here's your next step. We want to help you with the next step, okay? So hope you have a great week and we will see you on Saturday for our Easter Eve celebration. See you later.